Well, good morning again, and welcome to you. Happy Fourth again, and welcome to our online family and friends. We love you. We're grateful for you and grateful for each of you today. Uh, today we're going to jump right into Ephesians chapter 4, and, and we're going to jump right in because I figure that most of you probably have barbecue plans, right? You're probably thinking about what you're going to be doing after church, but I'm so grateful that you took the time to make the most of the freedom to worship because that's very important. I don't want you to ever forget how valuable that is. Um, matter of fact, for many of you in the room and online, uh, your life has been given to serve and defend and protect that freedom. So again, thank you so much for that. It means the world, and we do continue to pray for you. Uh, as parents, one of the greatest blessings that we have in this country is to raise our children, right? I, I've been blessed with four incredibly amazing kids. Uh, they are all in different stages of life, and I'm so thankful for them. Their mother and I uh, get to shepherd them and guide them and coach them through different seasons. And perhaps one of the greatest challenges as parents is helping your kids grow up, right? Uh, that's perhaps one of the greatest challenges as a parent. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, I, I've had the privilege of seeing um, four children brought into this world. And, and when they're brought into this world to begin with, I mean, once you get past the really disgusting part right there in the beginning, right? And then they're all cleaned up and the, the nurses and the doctors clean them up for you, and hand them to you. It's like that baby, that child could do no wrong. I mean, they're, they're like... Oh, like you're oohing and on, and it's like the greatest thing ever. And then there's this moment where you bring them home and you realize you're not going to sleep for the next six months, you know? Um, and, and then like they always cry, they always mess or wet the diaper, right? So like there's that moment um, and you're like, what happened to that thing in the hospital where the lady came and took it for a while and, and then brought it back and then took it a while? Yeah. So now you're, you're with this child. But again, I, I can remember those moments when they're, when they're babies, like you're just, I, mean, I, I could sit there and just hold them forever. I mean, it was just the most perfect moment when the children were little. Now, now I have them spread across the, the gaps now, you know, the oldest, um, we're already thinking about, wow, college is right around the corner. I mean, we're going into the senior year. That's, that's staggering. Um, and so grateful for him. He's blessed. Uh, his next sister is 13, right? And she's 13 going on 20 something, right? It's, um, it's interesting how like she's really now turn that corner into teenagehood. Um, Eli, I love Eli because he's, he's like his dad. All things outdoors just mean something to him. Uh, matter of fact, it's funny, a, a few weeks ago, I was able to uh, take him fishing and, and I have this picture that's one of my favorite pictures. Um, he caught this catfish and I think, I, I think the catfish was bigger than he was. Like he's holding the catfish and it's like tails here, heads out here. He caught it in his grandfather's pond. And it was just a great moment, you know, because he appreciates the simpler things in life. And, and then there's my baby, the, uh, the littlest one who um, is six, going into first grade. And it's like all of the creative factors um, of the other three are all bottled up and placed inside of her. It's like God said, I'm going to get the last laugh by putting all of the energy, all of the creativity, all of the pushback, everything that the other three have in there, it's all going to be poured into her. And, and it's, it's interesting because um, like she's so sweet. She has me wrapped. She can get anything she wants, but 
but she knows that too at six. So I've got a lot of work to do as a parent um, to not let her get everything she wants. Each one, different stage of life. And the hardest thing as a parent, and quite frankly, I think for many of us as adults, the hardest thing in life is growing up. It really is because we can't always remain a child. We can't always live in a childish way. Now, now here's the thing. If you look at, at babies when they begin, the reality of, of the little ones is, quite frankly, like we love them and we, we, we ooh and ah and we talk, you know, with low or with high-pitched voices and we goo-goo and all this stuff over them. But they're, they're, they're pretty selfish. Like, um, I want to be fed now, right? Um, I want my toy now. And that, that kind of continues up through childhood. I mean, what's funny is I can tell my littlest one, no, and she's going to do it anyways. Like, that's just kind of the way it is. And, and so I'm like, I, I don't want to, you know, give you the discipline and direction. Do you want that? No. And she's still going to do it anyways. It's like, oh, gosh, this is, this is such a hard thing. Can you imagine for a moment if a child in all of its um, glory, but yet selfish behavior stayed that way, oh, let's say up through, I don't know, fifth grade or, or up through middle school, which is a big change. I mean, I'm seeing that stage or high school or, or college. Or imagine if an individual stayed childish and innately selfish, let's say all the way through college and grad school, maybe, maybe into their first job. Um, what if they stayed selfish all the way through their marriage, um, through their career? Uh, what if they just stayed childish all the way through their entire life? Growing up is challenging, but I, I think in reality, if you look at a lot of the, the struggles that we maybe see in our culture and in our country, uh, it goes back to this root that if we're not careful, we'll all act childish. We won't grow up. We'll all act selfish to get our way, our perspective. We'll wah and cry and, and, and we'll, we'll work so hard to make someone else beneath us, belittle them, put them down to elevate us or our position. You know, selfishness is just something that's born within us. It happens. And, and there's really only one way to overcome that. You have to grow up. You have to mature. Life is such a journey toward maturity, and we're all on it. There's really no age limit on maturity. I mean, it's funny because surely there's an age where someone's allowed to drive. Someone's allowed to partake of other things, substances in the culture, right? There's, there's certain age limits where you can vote. There's all of these numbers that perhaps we would say leads to someone being mature. But that's not actually where maturity comes from. I know people who have crossed certain age numbers and they still act like children, right? I mean, hey, 40 is the new 20, right? 50 is the new 25. 60 is the new 30. I mean, it's funny because there's all of this effort to act or pass an age to be grown up. And yet we don't see a whole lot of maturity in people around us. That applies to the church. And when I think about the church, 
How do I grow up in the church? How do I grow up as a child of God? How do I mature as someone who Jesus has redeemed, saved, forgiven? He has changed who I am in my standing with him. How do I grow up as a person and as someone who is of the household of Jesus Christ? How do I do that? And really, there's one key that Paul talks about from Ephesians chapter 4 today. And we're going to look at it, and we're going to look at how to do it, how to actually grow up, how to mature. And it really boils down to this, service. One of the greatest ways that we can overcome our selfishness is to serve someone else. One of the greatest ways that we get the spotlight off of ourselves and we put it on the Lord and one of the greatest ways that we prove that we are mature growing individuals is that we're involved in doing something for someone else specifically today when we look at Ephesians chapter 4 what we're going to see is that service in the church as a part of the family of God, as a part of being a child of God, as a part of loving God, service in the body of Christ is one of the most mature things that you could do. It is one of the greatest categories to move us forward in our faith because we're willing to set ourselves aside and we're willing to serve the family, the body of Christ, others, the church, both in our local churches, in our community, and around the world, when we are willing to serve Jesus in his body, it really works against our selfishness. We begin to set aside it being about our way, our whining, our complaining, and instead saying the greater good is the mission of Christ, the body of Christ, and the people of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4. Take your Bibles and let's look at that together because this chapter um, in some of your Bibles is going to fall under the headline of unity in the body of Christ or unity by the Spirit of God. Unity. And, and when we think about the United States of America today, um, I also think about the body of Christ because the challenges are not just in the country. The challenges are in the church today. The challenges are that selfishness and immaturity and, and this desire to get it our way or to fit in to our culture or to take a side here or there. Those challenges are really ravaging the church of the United States of America. You don't just see the challenges publicly and culturally in our country. You also see them happening in churches, and that's because churches have become pretty immature. They're acting like children. Christians acting like children do not equal a mature, healthy congregation. And the Apostle Paul teaches us how to combat that. So I read that from Ephesians chapter 4 as we go through our summer book study on the book of Ephesians. The Bible, God's Word, says this, Therefore I the prisoner of the Lord. I want you to notice through the book of Ephesians how many times Paul says he's a prisoner of the Lord. In other words, he's physically in prison under the control of the Roman government. And yet, 
What you do not see from the Apostle Paul is him belittling the government that has him captive. What you see the Apostle Paul saying is, I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. A prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he believes in this moment as he writes to the church at Ephesus that God has control of everything in his life and God has him placed there so that he could write and be a blessing and a minister and a help to other people. He is doing one of the most selfless things that he could do. He could be banging a drum about, I'm here and I didn't do anything wrong. He could be banging a drum saying, these people put me here. But no, what, what does he do in a very mature, in a very grown-up Christian way? He says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I belong to the Lord. And all of this that is going on, the Lord is in charge of this, and I'm serving him, and he's going to use this. I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, I implore you. So he's not giving a friendly, politically correct suggestion to the church. He's not talking to the church at Ephesus in a way that's like, oh, let me make you feel really good and pat you on the back. I implore you. In other words, what he's about to say is very serious. He's coming across saying, what I'm about to give you is the key to you being the church, the body of Christ in your world back then. And if that's what he said to them back then, we can surely learn from it today. I implore you, and this is what he implores them to do with, with great passion. He's saying, this is what you do to grow up. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. And we're going to talk about what that means, but what's the, what's the great dictate that he's giving? I implore you to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling of which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve what? The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. There he says it again, the hope of your calling, one hope of your calling, one Lord, there is one faith, there is one baptism, there is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then he says to each one of us, and that would be to you and I today as well, to each one of us, grace was given. And we've read about grace. Aren't you thankful for the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God? To each one of us, grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself 
also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. We'll come back to that because it's like, whoa, what are you talking about? Up, down, up, down. Which one is it, right? And Jesus is Lord of all. Therefore, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man or woman person, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result, we are no longer to be children. We're no longer to act childish. We're not supposed to be tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. We shouldn't be tossed around by the trickery of people, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. What are we to do? We are to speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. It's the first half of chapter 4. And when I look at that and I read that with you today, I, I understand growing up is hard, but it's essential. Have you ever met a grown-up who's not grown up? Have you ever seen a, a, a grown-up who's not grown up? Now, it's cute for a moment, right? Uh, I mean, you may see their best side. They, they dress it up. Uh, they fight uh, against the ravages of time and age. Um, you know, they try to act a, a, a lot younger than perhaps they are. And, and in some regards, good, you know, because we're all battling against that demon of time, that demon of age. I understand that. But yet, immaturity perhaps then begins to come out of that individual. And that, that comes out beyond what they look like, what they wear. Um, you begin to see it in how they act, how they treat others. Um, perhaps you begin to see a very selfish, self-centered pattern in their life. And that's for grown-ups. I'm not talking about kids. When you meet someone like that, or, or perhaps, if we're honest, maybe we've lived through a season like that. Uh, you look back on it and you go, wow, like, uh-uh, like, <laughs> that really doesn't fit. <laughs> uh, that doesn't really look good. That, that doesn't really belong. You, you realize that in our lives, we were all created to grow up. The Apostle Paul was writing to the Christians the church in Ephesus. And we've been doing this study on the culture and the context that the people of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, the people were living in and the culture that they were placed in. And it wasn't too unlike the world that we live in today. And the Apostle Paul had to help them understand what it meant to grow up. And today, as I look at this passage, as we think about 
freedom, the 4th of July, the church, and our own personal lives. The way that things work is when people grow up and they act like mature people, and specifically in the church, like Jesus intended for us to be. Here's the life lesson. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We grow up as Christians. As Christians, we grow up. And we grow up when we use our gifts to serve. Remember, service is one of the great ways to overcome selfishness. We grow up as Christians when we use our gifts to serve Jesus through faith and love in the body of Christ. We grow up as Christians. We mature as Christians. We progress along that faith journey in an upward way when... We use our gifts to serve Jesus through faith and love, doing it by trusting him and doing it in a loving way. Where? In the body of Christ. And what happens in our lives is so many times churches decline, and we see this even in the midst of our pandemic type of world. Churches decline when church people get really selfish. Churches decline, they go through atrophy when people say, well, it's not my way, or I don't like this, or that's not my style, or that's not my trend. The challenge for the church in America is that we have become so westernized in the way that we do things that we now measure churches based on attendance numbers, right, and how entertaining and how feel-good a church is. That's how successful churches according to most of the magazines out there that are Christian by the way that's how they measure success but here's what's interesting in the midst of a pandemic most of those successful churches went to nothing why why the great challenge because when you have a selfish church and all of a sudden the things that make me feel good go away you quit going <laughs> you quit watching online you quit participating the reality in the last 18 months of life is that most congregations lost 50% or more of the people that were attending church. But I don't want to focus on the 50% that were lost. I want to focus on the 50% that stayed. Why? What I've seen here in pastoring you at Calvary, and one of the things that I deeply love about you, even those of you sitting in here today, as well as those of you who are taking advantage of technology for this moment and using our online streaming services. What I love is many of you stayed committed to this church because it was your family, because it was your place of hope, because you heard the word and learned about Jesus and you were given the keys to life. That is amazing because it shows that you have a commitment to the body of Christ. It shows that you belong to the body of Christ. But there's another step. Because as we continue to get back to a place of ministry and missions and, and full capacity, even in this church, the next step is not just commitment by attending or by watching online. The next step is saying, I have to find my place to serve. Now, that's usually a very challenging thing. The scripture gives a key to it. It says that we've all been gifted, and we'll talk about that. 
But yet, sometimes we put that solely on the shoulders of the pastor or the staff or, or a particular role in the church. And if we go, well, that role's not filled or I wasn't given the opportunity, then I'm not going to serve. Well, again, when I say I'm not going to serve or I'm not going to cooperate or not going to find my place, um, is that mature or immature? Sounds more like a child than it does like a grown-up, right? It sounds more like immaturity if I go, I didn't get my way. Um, you're back to my six-year-old, <laughs> whom I love, but she's six. <laughs> and six doesn't get to dictate the household. <laughs> if six dictates your household, by the way, you got a messed up household, right? That's a challenge. You know, mature people have to lead the household. That's the way that it works best. When I think about as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus growing up, Paul gives me a key on how to do so. He gives us a key. And so I want to share these things with you quickly. Number one, he says very clearly, he says it a couple times, part of maturity in our lives is to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. So for you to mature as a follower of Christ and find a place to serve us, it means to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He uses that word worthy. Now, there are many times where I do not feel worthy of the grace of God. Would you join me in that? But it's not about my worthiness. It's about the worthiness of Christ who gave me the grace and gave me the gift of salvation. It's his worthiness. And if the gift that I've received of grace, forgiveness, love, hope, and life that moves me forward toward maturity is that worthy, then Paul's basically saying to the Christians then and therefore to us today, hey, the gift is that worthy, so live up to it. Strive toward it. It's a beautiful, worthy gift. Appreciate it. Enjoy the goodness that God has given to you by striving to walk according to what you've been given. And not just what you've been given. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. It's not just what you've been given. It's who you've been called. The worthy of the calling is very clearly this. You are a child of God. Christian, follower of Jesus, who has received the gift of salvation by asking Christ to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, save your soul, and lead you throughout life. That makes you a child of God. And Paul says, I implore you, walk in a manner worthy of that. You are not like the rest. So he writes this to those living in a culture that was crazy in Ephesus and in the Roman Empire where they had this God and this belief system and, and this party and this, this type of hallucinogenic drug and all of this stuff that was going on back then just like we might see today. He says, look, you are to do something else. You are to walk in a manner worthy of who you are. You have become a child of God. And as a child of God, then that should reflect in your life a maturity that looks different. So how does it look different? Well, he says to them, your manner worthy of your calling is that you're a child of God and you are united. And he uses the word unity several times. United to live a different way. You're united under a new way of living. There is a new way to live for you that is more mature than the world around you. 
So you're called a child of God. You've been made a child of God. That's your calling. That's a worthy gift. You have received the grace. What does your new life look like? Well, you've been called what? To exercise humility. Humility is the opposite of pride. You've been called to exercise gentleness. So that is a deep respect for all people around you. Patience. Is that hard? You know, I've always heard it said, uh, don't pray for patience or God's going to give it to you, right? <laughs> patience is hard. That means sometimes you have to wait a while before you see the results of what you've invested in or what you believe in or what you hope for. It means you don't get it immediately. Now, again, when my children were young, and I think right now my six-year-old, if, if I say no to her, she gives me a face that, I mean, <laughs> I want to laugh inside and outside, but I can't because then it will just feed that type of look and that attitude when I say no to her. But what's the problem? She's not patient. She doesn't understand patience. But a mature individual understands it's not that you're going to get a no. It's just that it's not ready for you right now. And as a loving father or as a loving parent, many of you, you know that you want to help your children get there. It's just a process. Well, likewise, in working with people, it requires patience. In serving even the Lord, it requires patience. Why? Because it's a process. I mean, I can look back in my life many times where what I wanted now didn't happen, but I could see later on the faithfulness of God to get it there in his time. He was just working, and I just had to be patient. Patience is a new way of living, showing tolerance for one another. Do we live in a very tolerant world? You don't see really the opportunity to appreciate freedom in such a way where I can have an intelligent, kind, loving dialogue with someone that I might disagree with. That's why I don't like watching a lot of the news because it kind of discourages me because all I see is people disagreeing and fighting over things that if we were exercising the fruit of the Spirit the worthiness of our calling, even as Christians, then I could be tolerant in a dialogue to have a conversation with someone, even if I disagree with them, without calling them names or putting them down or belittling them because they may think or believe something different. But Paul even writes this not to a country. He writes this to a church. Sometimes we find it difficult to be tolerant of our brothers and sisters in Christ, don't we? But the new way of life to which we've been called that is a reflection of maturity of our faith and maturity of our walk with Jesus says that I'm going to be tolerant and patient in a process of loving my brother and sister in Christ to the fullness of who Jesus has called me to be. So I'm not just going to be patient because I can be patient. I'm not just going to be tolerant because I can be tolerant. He says, do all of these things how? In love. And one of the most loving things that I can do is listen. One of the most loving things that I can do is be patient. One of the most loving things I can do is seek to be understanding of a brother and sister in Christ when they are walking through something. And therefore, the greatest goal is not division. That's what you see outside in the world. The greatest goal that Paul would say is all of this is to preserve the unity of the body of Christ. 
to preserve the unity that the Spirit of God has sealed in everyone that has been called in a worthy calling of Christ. Isn't that good? That is deep when I think about maturity. That is a, a mark to shoot for. That is the gold medal. That is the standard right there. Wow, God in my faith, help me to embrace that I am your child, that it is a worthy calling that you have placed upon my life. And therefore, my life actions and character have to be on this progressive mark to change, to reflect more of who I am. And therefore, I am united in the body of Christ under a new way of living. He goes on to talk about the second thing that I think helps us understand how to mature. And that is that we should all be involved in working to build up the body of Christ. To build up the body of Christ. One of the most important ways for us to grow in our faith is to build up the body of Christ. Now I recognize in our world that there are a lot of people, opinions, and I, I understand this, that are anti the church because they view the church as an establishment, right? They view the church as a business. And, and I can understand where a lot of those outside opinions come from. I quite frankly at times can understand where even people from within the body of Christ would have those opinions. But that's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ are the children of God, who have been called by his name to walk in a manner worthy of their calling with a new, a new action set, a new life skill way of living that is higher than the world. Those people are to work together to build up one another, to build up who is the body of Christ, the people. And so Paul says, there's one body, one spirit. You have one hope, one calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is over all and in all. And the body of Christ, it says, to each one of us, grace was given. So when I think about building up the body of Christ, I have to remember that my motive is that in grace, I am serving him. As a recipient of God's grace that I didn't deserve, I could not earn, and there's no way that I could overcome my own flaws, nor could you, our own challenges in the world. God gave us grace, forgiveness, mercy, and love through his son Jesus when we were saved. And to understand that I have received that grace, therefore I must then employ that grace in serving him. Paul, he says that we have been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ gave us forgiveness. He gave his life. He gave us freedom. Freedom from the devil. Freedom from oppression. Freedom from our sins. And in that grace as a recipient, if I want to grow up, I then realize as a recipient of that grace, I have to then serve Jesus. Now, here's the tricky part, because sometimes you find a place in the church and you go, well, I don't want to serve there. I don't want to serve the church. I, I want to do something that makes me feel good through my business, some generic cause that makes me feel like I've done something better. But, but Paul says, Christian, no, it, it's serving Jesus in his body because you've received the grace of Jesus through his body. Serve his body. And the greatest way to overcome selfishness is service all the time. When I'm serving, 
What am I not thinking about? Myself. When I'm serving, what am I thinking about? Someone else. I love this this morning. Pastor Stephen, as we were praying together early for church today, he prayed, God, thank you for those who today are going to hold the babies. Now, we go, oh, man, that's sweet. Again, we love the babies. Right, until it pukes on you, right? I mean, I know some of our dear, sweet ladies who have held the babies and they've come in in their nice Sunday clothes and their nice Sunday shoes, right? They've gone home with vomit on those nice shoes, right? But they're serving you in this room. They're serving mothers who want to come and worship, who, who need a moment out of the house, by the way, right? And they're providing them a moment to grow in their faith, to mature in Christ. But they're not thinking about themselves when they do that. Um, it's the same as you'll see in a moment when we talk about one of our ministry opportunities that's coming up very soon. Those who volunteer there, they're thinking about someone else. Service in the body of Christ is one of the greatest expressions of grace. God, if you've shown me grace to forgive me and save me, then God... I'm going to serve because I can be a vehicle of grace towards someone else in some capacity. Whether it's leading and teaching in a Bible study, using your home as a place to host fellowship and community, um, coming to the campus and working with students, children, uh, or it's doing something in our world that's missional to help others come to know Jesus' service is an expression of grace. Paul talks about that. He talks about how also... We all have been given a gift. In grace, we have to serve him with the gift. And he, he gives this lineage of gifts, by the way. These people would have gifts. These people have gifts. These people have gifts. Now, I do not have time to be able to express to you all the gifts in the Bible. And I, I quite frankly think there's a lot of ways that you can serve Jesus. But this is what he does say. He says, there are those whose job is to equip you prepare you, call you, and hold you accountable to do what you've been called to do as a Christian. I got one amen on that one for those of you who are online. And that perhaps is one of the greatest challenges to the maturity of the body of Christ is that we don't want anybody telling us what to do, especially as Americans and independent people, right? We don't want anybody telling us what to do. But Paul says in the body of Christ, there are those who have been given the responsibility to tell you, you have been gifted. And if you want to grow as a Christian, you need to get in on the action of serving, finding your gift, using your gift, and building up the body of Christ. That's your responsibility. Your responsibility as a Christian to grow and mature is not simply to come and be entertained and to feel good and to leave. Your responsibility in the body of Christ as a Christian, and Paul said this to the early church, and we need to hear it today. Your responsibility is to say, if I have been a recipient of grace 
If I am called a child of God, if I am seeking to mature in my faith and grow, then I have to find my place that builds up and supports the body of Christ, which is the church, the people of God, saved people, and the mission that they are doing to reach other people and help them experience the same grace, the same kindness, the same mercy, the same love that God gave to me. I have to find my place. And the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, they are there to equip the body to do the work. It's funny because I, I do get phone calls at times, Pastor, I need you to do this, or a text, Pastor, I need you to do this. You know what? I love to do it because I love the body of Christ. I love people. But I ask myself many times, why did the church member text me to do this when the church member could have done that themselves? Why is it that we believe at times that it's their job to do it when it comes to ministry instead of my job to do it? And I realize that. That's where it leads to immaturity in the church and disappointment with pastors and staffs who we have the expectation of God on. And yet on our own selves, we want to give grace and covering. There's no Superman in a pulpit, by the way. There's no perfect Jesus on a church staff anywhere you go. But the body of Christ is called to work together in the unity of the Spirit, in the unity of Christ, to mature and grow. How? In being taught, in being open, in being humble, in being tolerant, in being patient, in learning how to serve one another. I believe in the generation ahead that the church actually is not about who the church lost, but who the church is going to gain. I believe that the power of the church moving ahead in this country and around the world is about people who mature in Christ, discover what it means to serve Christ by finding their role and their gift and using that in all of these new character traits of life. That reflects a maturity in faith and a maturity in his work. Paul says we are to grow up in him. How do I grow up in him? I trust him. I grow up. I'm mature because I'm wanting to reflect that calling on my life. And how do I do that? I get involved in the work of Jesus. I get involved in figuring out a way, in working together in a way to find my place in serving Jesus in his body, in his church. And the best way to do that, and the Apostle Paul says this several times, and I close with this. How do I build up the body of Christ? How do I reflect unity? How do I reflect maturity better than any other way? I do it in love. I show love. He, he says, speak the truth in love. I know a lot of people that want to speak the truth. <laughs> but I don't know a lot of people that know how to speak the truth in love. He says, do all of these things as Jesus had done and build up the church and be involved in the church. But he says, why? Why? Why hold the baby? Why, why teach a group? Why, why attend and be a part of a community effort to build the body of Christ? Why? Because as God loved you, so you too can show love. These are moments to do ministry. These are moments to build the body of Christ. These are moments to, to love. I, I believe that one of the most loving places in the world today is still the body of Christ, by the way. 
Why? Because mature Christians understand the power of forgiveness. Mature Christians understand the power of grace. The mature Christians, those who are growing up, understand that they have received God's patience. Has God been patient with you any point in your life? Um, has God been tolerant with your immaturity at different points of life? Yeah, and why? Because God is constantly working to build up his body, the church. He's done that in generations past. He's doing it today. And my prayer is that you and I will also be a part of doing that for generations to come. One of the greatest ways for us to grow as Christians is when we discover and find our way to serve, to use our gifts to serve Jesus. And we do that through faith. Faith is trusting Him. The same faith that saved me is the same faith that I use to serve. And I serve in love in the body of Christ. That's how we grow up. That's what Paul would have said not only to them, but that's what Paul would have said to you and I today. Maturity. And I want you to ask yourself this question. How would my church, how would my business, how would my home, how would my world look if I exercised a little more of Christ's maturity in how I deal with those around me? I think as you begin to celebrate your 4th of July in just a moment, as you participate in all things that relate to your thinking towards freedom, it was for freedom that Jesus set us free. But that freedom was to free our souls so that we could serve Him in a way to help someone else experience all of those good things that Jesus has done for us. My prayer for you today is that somewhere along this journey, yeah, you'll look a little bit more like Jesus. You'll walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And I hope that you're not too offended when I say this, but I put myself in this category as well. Quite frankly, I pray that the last year plus of life of the things that we see in our world I pray that we'll all grow up just a little bit more Amen Let's pray together Now Father I thank you for all of your children today sons and daughters who have been called by your name They are Christians little reflections of Christ on earth saved by grace through faith and that's not of ourselves that is your gift to us and so today I pray that for everyone who has claimed your name that we would grow up that we would mature in your body and that we would serve in love because of your great love for us I thank you for every person today and I pray that they will experience your freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart and you're curious about what your next step with Christ would be, let me encourage you, just drop us a note. We want to guide you along the first step of coming to know Christ and becoming a child of God. Likewise, begin to pray about your role, your place of service, if you are a Christian, your way to serve the body of Christ in the future. Because as we approach this next year of life, which I think it's going to take a little bit, the body of Christ finding its place and its way to serve 
is going to be one of the quickest ways to get back to health and maturity for every single one of us. And I want to show you something right now via video that will remind you of the power of what it means to serve. What it means to serve someone else and the impact of Christ that it makes in their lives. Here's an exciting ministry opportunity that's coming back online. I want you to take a look real quick. As summer has gone on, you may have been asking yourself, where is VBS? Well, I'm excited to tell you that VBS is here. And this year, VBS is brand new. We'll be hosting VBS here on campus three weekends in a row with three separate themes, different games, different activities, and lots of fun and gospel moments for your kids. So check out our website, calvaryneworleans.com slash vbsweekends for more information and to register your kids today for weekends that they will not want to miss. VBS weekends are here. What a great way to serve. I don't know if you remember the moment that you came to know Christ, but I can remember for a lot of people it was through a vacation Bible school weekend or a vacation Bible school week. We're working with our culture. We're working with unique things, and we've discovered that right now that's going to be an effective way to do it because people can come out and do what? Serve. So go on and think about not only your kids coming, your grandkids coming, uh, strangers' kids coming, your neighbors' kids coming. Go on and think about all of that, right? Um, but think about what if serving in Vacation Bible School became your first or your next opportunity to lead a child to a saving relationship with God in Jesus Christ. Now that would be mature. And that would change everything. So you've seen the link. You can sign up. You can get more information. You can go by our welcome booth in the back and find out more information. But that's coming up. And I'm excited about that because it's an opportunity to be the body of Christ and to work together for his mission. So that's coming up as well. One of the ways that many of us serve constantly and consistently is through our giving. So thank you for being faithful during this entire season of life, but also as we look ahead in our giving. Thank you for doing that through your tithes and offerings and beyond, even through our next campaign. And by the way, I love seeing things destroyed around here. Now I realize that it's like, okay, let's get out of here before the rain for those who are on campus and let's not walk through the mud. I love seeing it destroyed because it's about to get really good. It's about to get a whole lot better. And I love what we're working toward together as a family of faith in the fall. When you drive by this place in the fall, <laughs> I'm already proud of it. Like, I can't wait to see it with all the stuff that's happening on the exterior. That is a real reflection of what's happening in the church. Isn't that good? So thank you for finding your place of service. Thank you for giving. May God bless you. May God continue to bless our country.
may we never forget that it was the freedom that God gave us through his son Jesus Christ that really gives us a perspective on what it means to be mature and to grow up. Can't wait to see you all again soon. God bless you all. and.